Welcome back to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. Now, whether you're listening to this on a Friday morning or a Saturday, maybe Sunday, I can ensure you this, there's nothing like a Wednesday night Bible study at LCC. I hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, so uh, who wants to read Genesis 6? Or Genesis 10, 6 through uh, mm-hmm. uh, verse 12, 6 through 12. I will warn you, it's hard because it is names. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to? <laughs> I can do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. One thing, uh, the Passion Translation, a lot of times they're putting the names, modern names, and so I put their ancient names in brackets, you know, because they're different. The sons of Ham were Ethiopia, which is Cush, Egypt, Mizraim, Libya, Put, and Canaan, Phoenicia, Lebanon, and Israel. The sons of Cush were Siba, which is Northeast Africa, Havilah, Sabta, which is Southern Arabia, Rama, Southern Arabian city, uh, and Saptica, which is along the Persian Gulf. The sons of Rama were uh, Sheba, which is southwest Arabia, and Dedan, northern uh, Arabia in Kuwait. Dedan is the ancient capital of what is now Saudi Arabia. If you'll remember from last week, we were talking about the Ezekiel War, and it mentioned Sheba and Dedan. Well, so that's where these are. So again, it's all in the same, um, the table of nations is what this is called. Uh, Verse 8, Cush also had a son named Nimrod, who became known as the first mighty conqueror. That could be translated also as a strong man or a giant. He was a mighty despot or tyrant, tyrant before Yahweh. There was a saying, like Nimrod, a mighty despot before Yahweh. The centers of his kingdom, Babel, Iret, and Akkad, were in the land of Shinar, which is modern-day Iraq. From there, he went into Assyria, which is now Syria, and built the cities of Nineveh. Where else do we hear about Nineveh? Jonah. Exactly. So Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Uh, Rehoboth, Ir, and Kala. And Rezin, which is between the great city of Kala, once the royal capital of the Assyrians, and Nineveh. So that was all of his kingdoms, right, of Nimrod. We're going to talk about Nimrod later, so I'm just giving you a heads up. The next ones are even harder. (laughs) Do you need to just keep going? (laughs) You you don't know. Okay. Wow. (laughs) All right, so verse 13, Egypt was the father of the Ludites, the uh, Anamites, Leavites, Naphtahites, all parts of Egypt, uh, Pathrasites, Pathites, wow, Cathrites, the ancestors of the Philistines. Canaan was the father of Sidon, his firstborn Phoenicia, which is now Lebanon. Um, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and I put in brackets Jerusalem because it was from the Jebusites that David took Jerusalem, and that's where he conquered. Uh, the Amorites, which were in Israel, the Girgashites, which were in Jordan, the Hivites, the Archites, which were in Lebanon, the Sinites, the um, Arvidites in Lebanon, um, the 
Zemarites in Lebanon and the Hamathites in Syria. The families of the Canaanites eventually scattered across the Canaanite territory, extending from Sodom toward Gerar to Gaza, including Sodom, Gomorrah, Admah, and Zeboam, near the Dead Sea in Israel, as far as Lasha, the Dead Sea Valley. And these were the descendants of Ham by families, lands, languages, and nations. Wow. <laughs> so careful. <laughs> yeah, all of this, not all of them, but all of the enemies of Israel. They're all in enemies. All in exactly. Yeah. Yes. Isn't it funny? And they were the cursed ones. You know? And so was it a curse because Noah could already see what was going to happen, you know, with him? You know? And so he, he cursed that line because uh, of the action. You know, because we talked about last time, he went in and, and didn't just quickly glance at him, but observed and uh, studied and then went out and announced, you know. Uh, and so it was humiliation. And um, very, very, very disrespectful. Yeah. We know it's about the curse. Is that in the previous lesson that I missed? Yes, it was from last time. Okay. I'm back. Sorry, but you know it's okay. Yeah. So let's look at this. Ham was Noah's youngest son. His name meant hot. Coming from the root word of shaman or kaman. Let me get my glasses. Meaning to become inflamed or aroused. Ham's name seems to describe how he saw him at the end, how we saw him at the end of Genesis 9. He seems to be rash, not thinking through his decisions well. On the other hand, Ham's son, Canaan, means humiliated or brought low into subjection. This seems to describe the cursing pronounced over him by Noah. In Genesis 9, 24 and 25, it says, when Noah sobered up, and realized what his youngest son had done to him. He uttered these words, Cursed be your son, Canaan, and let him be the lowest of servants to his brothers. As we saw earlier, scholars believe Canaan had something to do with what happened to cause dishonor and humiliation to Noah. And his, uh, this elicited such a response. However, we must note that Ham and Canaan's descendants continued to, uh, to show shameful behavior in both Egypt and Canaan. There is an interesting mention in the middle of the genealogy of Nimrod. We'll get back to him when we get to the Tower of Babel later. I do want to bring it out here that one of his descriptions was of him possibly being a giant because that's what that word can translate to. And it is thought in multiple places that he could have been a giant. Well, he was mm -hmm. a giant. Nimrod. Uh, Nimrod. Nimrod. Huh? I feel like I noticed that. Yeah. Not all the giants were from the fallen angels. No, no, it is meaning that. Oh, it is meaning it that. Is meaning that. Huh. The low, you know, his father was Cush. Um, you're right. It wouldn't be that way. The, the thing about it is the word that we're looking at is mighty. 
It's not despot, which you would think, you know, or tyrant. Um, it is uh, mighty. We'll look into it later, but I think you're exactly right. It could have been that he was he was very big in stature, you know, but maybe anybody else. Yes, but not on Ephelon. Mm. Yeah. Because his name also means to be very strong and mighty. Okay. Yeah. Isn't there a, you know, sometimes people growing up, you were called, hey, turkey, do this, or, you know, whatever. Isn't there one that's called Nimrod? Mm -hmm. And it's like an idiot, or, it's yeah, not, somebody that's yeah. not intelligent. Uh, yeah. I'm just wondering if there's a connection, connection well, and you know, the thing is, is in ancient times, that connection was not there. Okay. Because he actually was very intelligent. Was he it? is the, the beginning of empires. Um, is there a connection it doesn't say that he was, uh, yeah, uh -huh. I wouldn't be surprised if he was fine. I guess. Because he was a new Uh-huh. Because they usually show him that way. Yeah. yeah. We'll just have to get to that one. But I've always, I always thought it would show more of the power of God if he was just a smaller guy. Yeah. You know? Which, yeah, he couldn't have. Yeah. Because it, it tells you his genealogy to a degree. Yeah. He was a judge. Yes, he was. He was one of the judges. All right. Um, we know that the this is this is from other sources. We know that the Nephilim were born again after the flood. It would be surprising if he was one of these, given some of the knowledge that um, I'm sorry, it wouldn't be surprising. But we know his genealogy show he couldn't be. So uh, yeah, we know who his father is. So we do know though that Canaan uh, later was overtaken by the Nephilim. Um, and so you can see that in Numbers 13, uh, 27 through 33. So if somebody will uh, go there, we'll, so we'll look the about that. Not, they weren't female? They were only male? His mom? Could yeah, have I don't know. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it does take two. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't say that, so I don't know. That no one was were born from women that didn't really necessarily agree to it. This is true. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily consensual. Something might have happened in the tent and we didn't even know. Well, all right. So somebody read Numbers 13, 27 through 33. This was their report. Moses, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalites live in the, is that how far? Oh, to 33. The live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan 
valley, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We will certainly conquer it. But the other men, who had explored the land with him, disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Yeah, did you notice who who thought they were grasshoppers, like grasshoppers first? The Israelites. The Israelites. We thought we were like grasshoppers. Yeah, in this one it says, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were in their sight. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the thing is, is it's letting us know Enoch was a fallen angel, and so these were descendants of his. And so this was in Canaan, right? Uh, and then later we know that that happened, um, you know, with Goliath. Uh, but that was a different set. But this was in Canaan, uh, which is a descendant of um, Ham, right? Okay. No, it's okay. All right, so let's look at Shem's descendants. Uh, and Shem, he, we're looking at his Genesis 10. 21 through 32. <laughs> it's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit easier. It was a little bit easier. Some of them, at least you've heard of more of them. Yeah. Shem, the older brother of Jacob, also had sons and was the ancestor of all the sons of... Oh, you never did say that. Oh, you can just go ahead and go to 32. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were also known as Hebrews. The sons of Shem were Elam, Assyria, Arphaxad, uh, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz, Hol, Gezer, and Mash. Arphaxad was the father of Shelah and the father of Eber. Eber was the father of two sons, Peleg, Peleg, Archbishop. Last time the earth was divided. Okay, remember that part, that his name meant division, mm-hmm. and it was during his lifetime the earth was divided. Battle. Okay, so that's important. Okay, keep Brother going. Joktan, jo- mm-hmm. father of Almadad, Shelef, Hazar, Mephi, Hadron, Yuzal, Dikla, Obal, <coughs> Sheba, Ophar, Hathala, and Jobab. <laughs> All the descendants of Joke, Jokad, Jokad, <laughs> lived in the territory that extends all the way from Mesha toward the eastern hills of Hephar. These were the families of Shem according to their genealogies, by their families, lands, languages, and nations. After the flood, Noah's descendants formed nations as the people spread throughout the earth. All right. <laughs> Those names, they're so different, aren't they? Oh, okay. <laughs> so Shem was Noah's firstborn son. <laughs> it was his, in his line that Jesus the Messiah would come 
Shem literally means name, but also means set apart, renown, fame, glory, honor, and authority. Noah's blessings on Shem from Genesis 9:26 was worthy of praise is Yahweh, the God of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. It is also through Shem that the Hebrews came, who were later called Israelites and still later the Jewish people. It is for this reason that people who speak against the Jews are known as anti-Semitic from Shem, uh, those against Shem's descendants. Here is a list of genealogical names from Shem to Abram. You know, before I even go to that, I had somebody uh, ask me this week, uh, it was an interesting question because they were talking about how um, that the Jewish people, they seem to, um, in the secular world, they see them as being not existing for as long as other like religions. Yeah, well, but the thing about it, yeah, and you're like, hmm. Where I've been blind, apparently. Yeah. Do the Jewish people see it as that? No, other other peoples are trying to say that they haven't been around it for as long. But if you look at it that way, then their names have changed quite a few times, you know? And, and so that could be a thing. It's the same people. It's just their names have changed through the years, right, or through times. Like, for instance, uh, in this river we were talking about, there was Eber, right? Mm-hmm. And one of Shem's sons was Eber. Um, and so he, it was from him came the Hebrews. And so that was one of their names. And then later, you know, they were the Israelites, and then later, finally, the Jews. So look at this. Here is a listing, and this is the Messianic line. You have Shem, uh, Arphagazad, I'm not even trying that one, (laughs) Canaan, Shelah, Eber, and then Peleg, Ru, Sarug, Nahor, Terah, and then Abram. At least we know that name, right? Abram. (laughs) We're going to talk about him more next time. (laughs) So look at Peleg in the middle of those names. His name means division because it was in his lifetime the world was divided at the Tower of Babel. So we're giving the timeline here, right? Uh, So what this is telling us, it's six generations from Shem, but it tells us that Genesis 10 is a summary of a great deal of time. And then it goes into... Uh, Genesis 11 in the account of the Tower of Babel that happened within the time of chapter 10. Right? You see that? Um, And that's what caused the great divide. So you can't always take them um, sequentially. Sometimes you're going to have an overview and then something that happens significant maybe in it. And that's what this is. All right, so are we ready to get into Nimrod? Mm-hmm. I have a question here. Okay. The, uh, the Great Divide of uh, is when people 
went out from where they were. Mm -hmm. okay. That's where they divided. Uh, remember the, the languages were messed up at the time? Yeah. yeah. Because when we start in uh, Genesis 11, the first verse is saying, now all the world used the same language and the same words at that time. And then if you look at the end of all of the accounts of Noah's sons, and it says they had those languages and they formed nations and they spread, right? Well, they didn't have their languages until later after the Tower of Babel. Um, so somebody read uh, verses 1 through 9. This one doesn't have the hard names. I have a question. Okay. Who wrote these books? These books. Oh, you mean in Genesis? Well, this would have been the, the accounts of Noah's sons. Because, uh, yeah, Noah's sons. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it, it says that because it, it even tells you, and these are the generations of the sons of Noah. You know, and then names them. So it would be, and that's the key words. You see that phrase like ten times in the book of Genesis, and it'll. That's when the books change. Does that make sense? What when it says this is the story of? Uh, well, I know in Genesis five one it said that, but then in the others it usually says, and these are the generations of. So they kind of write their story, or what happened around them. <laughs> okay. So somebody read Genesis 11, 1 through 9. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for water. <clears throat> then they came... Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over, all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower of the people in the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Okay. Now, uh, let me point out one thing this one verse in verse six is huge so even in verse five then the lord came down to see the city right and behold there he said they behold they are one people and they have the same language and that is this is what they started to do and now nothing which they plan to do will be impossible for them it's the power of unity good or bad it's a spiritual law. And so this, they're using it for bad. And so God is like, you know what? i got to mess up that unity. And that's exactly what he did with the languages. He scattered them with languages, but not physically. Because mm -hmm. then they just did it themselves. 
But see, at the same time, what did God had told them to do? It, he told Adam and Eve, you know, to multiply and then spread over the face of the earth. And then after the flood, he told Noah and his sons to do the same thing. And so they are willingly not scattering. Okay. Right? More rebellion. More rebellion. And, well, we're going to really get into that. Well, they clearly knew you could burn the clay and turn it into a brick. Well, they actually were very intelligent people. And notice, what did they put the bricks together with? Water. Tar. What is tar? It was the pitch in uh -huh. the Like in Noah's Ark. Mm -hmm. Now, where were they? They were in the land of Shinar. In, in your translation, it said they were in the Babylonian land. Okay, where is Babylon today? It's in modern-day Iraq. Okay. So what is one Oil. of the things that Iraq is known for? Oil. Oil. And so they were using oil even way back then to put their bricks together, right? Mm. Yeah. No, they didn't. <laughs> and then verse 7 said, let us go down. Yes. You've got Elohim. Uh-huh. Yes. Isn't that awesome? There are several times in Scripture, and this is one of them. Another one is, let us make man in our image. Remember that? That's the first, and this would probably be the second. All right. The, the Tower of Babel is a monument to humanity's pride. While they were trying to build a tower to reach the heavens, God emphasizes the fact that he had to come down to see it. Right? Um, they were exhibiting the same pride that Lucifer showed before his fall. He wanted to be exalted above God. Like in Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, and Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. The builders of the Tower of Babel reveled in their unity of purpose. Even God supported the effectiveness of the spiritual law of unity used for good or evil. Here they were using it for evil. Therefore, God came down to divine them in their plans. Um, this is interesting. So the Tower of Babel was much more than just a tall tower. Uh, Jack Kelly writes this on the Tower of Babel. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the men were building in Genesis 11:6. Enough of the ruins of the Tower of Babel have been discovered to permit archaeologists to speculate on its appearance and purpose. It covered four acres at its base and was 153 feet tall. Wow. Now, does anybody remember anything about the number 153? Well, all the other nine. No. I'm thinking of a time where we saw 150. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Good job. So, with, uh -huh, you're doing great. Remember, and that was at the end of the book of John. And in, uh, I think it was in John 21. And remember, Jesus had uh, raised from the dead, and he was meeting the disciples at the um, the bank of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, they had been fishing. Remember, and he told them uh, they'd fished all night, they hadn't caught anything, and he said, "Well, throw it on the other side," and they did it because they're like, 
okay, well, it happened great the last time we did this. <laughs> you know? And so it says that they caught 153 large fish. Now, there is no other time where it specifies the exact number. You're wondering why. And one of the things that's so specific is we know that in Hebrew, the letters are numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And so it goes to a specific phrase. Mm -hmm. And it's something that Jesus was telling the disciples. It was a message. And if you'll remember, one of the things he was saying is it was for the first time he was calling them brothers, you know, because before that he never did. And if you remember when he met Mary Magdalene in the garden after he rose from the dead, he said, uh, and I'll go talk to my father and your father, you know, and then he, he, he so emphasizes it. He says it again. And he said, go tell my brothers that I've risen from the dead. Right. And so 153 correlates to the phrase B'nai Elohim. B'nai Elohim in Hebrew means sons of God. And so what Jesus was telling his disciples is you're now sons of God. You're a new creation, right? Because let me go back and uh, hopefully this is not too, I, I think we'll get it. There were only two humans that had ever been B'nai Elohim. That was Adam and Jesus up until the time that Jesus was resurrected. So what did Adam and Jesus have in common? They were first, they were first. They were first but who was their father? God. God. God himself was their father. They truly were sons of God. Right. And so what Jesus does is he comes into the place and wakes up our spirit, right? Holy Spirit comes to live within us, and we become a new creation, one that has never existed before. And so we can become sons and daughters of God, right? But that could not happen before Jesus died and was resurrected. And so that's why he is so ecstatic to call them uh, sons of God and uh, to call them brothers, right? And so here, the fact that they're doing the 153, because let me tell you, it is very symbolic, everything that they're doing. This is not about how tall of a tower. This is about a purpose of what they're trying to do with it. So... They're doing 153 feet tall, so that's letting you know, okay, they're wanting to be bending Elohim. Okay. Is this making sense? Because yeah. what are they trying to do? They're trying to make a name for themselves, mm. right? And it's going to get more apparent. Uh-huh, exactly. So look at this. Uh, there were seven stages, each one smaller than the one before, giving it the appearance of a giant wedding cake. Um, this would be called a ziggurat, and that's the, the architectural type, uh, and this is what it looked like. Um, Jesus talked about that. Yeah. We learned about that in school, mm -hmm. sixth, seventh grade. Yes. 
Um, each stage was dedicated to one of the then known planets. And a tower at the top had the 12 signs of the zodiac. Inscribed. Uh, yeah. Well, the, these people were coming from people who were pre flood. Mm. But it's about to get more apparent. So they had the 12 signs of the zodiac inscribed on the walls. It was apparently intended as a combination observatory and temple to enable the people to worship the celestial bodies and practice astrology. Now, if you'll remember, who made up the constellations? Okay, who made the stars in the constellations? God did. And if you'll remember, in Hebrew, it was the Maseroth, right? Well, where is this happening again? Babylon, right. And so, or Babel, which became Babylon. And so what did they do to it? They perverted the Maseroth and made it into the Zodiac and made it into astrology, which is not never what God intended. What did God intend for it to be? History. It's his story. Yeah. One of the yeah, one of the things that's beautiful is if you look at Psalm 19, it talks about the stars, they go silently by every night telling their story. You know, it's the gospel in the stars. And so that's what God created. He created it to tell stories. Yes. But nothing uh do you think that God is going to uh, name the planets after Roman and Greek gods? Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so one day we'll find out what their true names are. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. So what were they building? Yeah. Well, it says in, um, it was enabling the people to worship the celestial world's body and practice astrology. Was it wrong to practice astrology? Mm -hmm. It is. And that came from out of Babylon. And what we're going to see... What does it mean to practice astrology? Like horoscopes. Oh, so if you're... Not right. astronomy. No, no okay. not astronomy. Well, yeah, well, nothing okay. is wrong with learning about the stars. That's, that's a whole different... That's a science, what like astronomy. But astrology is when you're applying to... Uh, make it have meaning that uh, God never intended, like to try to um, see the future. Is it ology the study of? Mm -hmm. So astrology, it would be wrong to be studying. It, it, it's more... Maybe I'm going to... Yeah, now it's not really a science. Astrology isn't because what that is more like is more like witchcraft. Okay, so this it's is when what, you're using divination. This is what yeah. Google says. Astrology is a range of divinatory practices recognized as Swiss Pseudo scientific since the 18th pseudo yeah 18th century that claimed to discern information about human affairs and terrestrial events by studying the apparent positions of celestial objects. Okay. So they're they're going by how the planets line up. Is why you are the way you are. Right. And and that would be like a horoscope, yeah. you know, that 
because it's looking like this, then if you're this sign, then this, whatever. I mean, it seems like God didn't do God that. Didn't do it's that. just the way the when it blew up and everything lined like that. Trying to prophesy, but it's not from God. Right. No, no, and see, and that's right. That's where it becomes a dangerous territory when because people, it becomes a counterfeit. People say like. Oh, I gotta see what my sign says about me today oh, instead yeah. of what does God say about exactly. me. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, where are you putting your trust? Right. Yeah. That's the best time to err. Yeah. So, what were they building? In the Babylonian language, their city, uh, well, and even the top, the, the the top of the tower was called the Gate of God. The passage in Genesis says that they were trying to reach into heaven with this tower. Uh, it wasn't how uh, from how tall they could make the tower. Instead, it was more likely that they were trying to make a gate or a portal into heaven. And they probably wanted to invade because they weren't godly, right? Um, using the Maseroth, Hebrew for constellations, because that's all that Maseroth means, uh, that God created to teach his people his gospel story in the stars, they perverted into the zodiac and into astrology. Nevertheless, God called it Babel, not the gate of God. He called it confusion and divided their work to stop it. They were seeking a way to invade heaven through a counterfeit method apart from God. This is the same as using witchcraft or divination. Genesis 11 also tells us that they were building the tower to make a name for themselves. They realized their unity of purpose was an asset and didn't want to be scattered, which directly opposed God's command to them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Right. One of the main builders, I love this picture because it is so more of how it really was, you know? <laughs> One of the main builders of this tower was Nimrod. We saw him earlier in Genesis 10, 8 through 12. It said, Cush also had a son named Nimrod, who became known as the first mighty conqueror, strong man or giant. He was a mighty despot before Yahweh. There was a saying, like Nimrod, a mighty despot before Yahweh. The centers of his kingdom, Babel, Erech, and Akkad, were in the land of Shinar, which is Iraq. From there, he went into Assyria and built the cities of Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria, Rehoboth-ur, and Kalah, and Rezin, which is between the great city of Kala, once the royal capital of the Assyrians, and Nineveh. Doesn't that just look prideful? <laughs> I mean, really, that picture just says a lot. Okay, so these are some face masks that um, are supposed to be of him. When we hear the name Nimrod, Many times people think of someone who is not very intelligent. That's like what we were talking about. But really, we should be thinking of someone who was arrogant and preyed on the weak to defile them. Nimrod means the valiant or rebellion and comes from a root word, uh, marad, meaning to rebel or we will rebel, and from which we get the words marauder and murder. Hmm. Yeah. The Hebrew word used for became, as in became known, is kalal, which means to bore into and make weak, 
profane, desecrate, defile, and pollute. It isn't that he became this. It's that he was the first who became known as a mighty one that profaned and defiled people and things. That's kind of like what we were just talking about, even with the Maseroth. They perverted and defiled that into the Zodiac, right? Now, the word for mighty used to describe Nimrod here three times in Genesis 10.8 is Gabor. And it means powerful, warrior, tyrant, champion, chief, strong, mighty, and giant. Then verse 9 tells us he, he was the first despot, and that's in the New American Standard Bible. Other translations use the word hunter or tyrant. The Hebrew word is uh, Saeed, that comes from the root word sued, meaning to lie alongside and wait, to hunt, chase, or take. Apparently, he became the first tyrant ruler by preying on those who were weaker than himself because he became a hunter, but not really of animals, right? Um, First Chronicles 1.10 says, Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. This uses all the same Hebrew words used in Genesis 10, 8 through 9. Nimrod ruled over several regions. Even hundreds of years later, God's people still called Assyria the land of Nimrod in Micah 5, 5 and 6. First century Jewish historian Flavius Josephus writes the following about Nimrod and his building the Tower of Babel. Now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and contempt of God. He was the grandson of Ham, the son of Noah, a bold man, and of great strength of hand. He persuaded them not to ascribe it to God, as if it were through his means they were happy, but to believe that it was their own courage that procured that happiness. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning people from the fear of God, or turning men from the fear of God, but to bring them into a constant dependence upon his own power. So, for one thing, he's taking them away from God and making them rely on themselves and then taking them away from God and making them rely on him. Yeah, exactly. And so the next thing it says, he also said he would be revenged on God if he should have a mind to drown the world again for that he would build a tower too high for the waters to be able to reach and that he would avenge himself on God for destroying their forefathers. He's very arrogant. <laughs> and so, okay, if the floodwaters even went above the mountains. That's what I was saying. Did he not yeah. how is it? How is it going to go over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so again, I Maybe think that's it's, why they call him Nimrod. Maybe <laughs> But the thing about it is, you know, again, it's not about the height of his tower. He was trying to build something that would uh, go around height. He was trying to get into heaven a different way and invade 
it, it's Satan all over again. I mean, you're thinking, okay, this guy had to have been possessed, <laughs> right? All right. Now, uh, while the Bible doesn't have much to say about Nimrod, but with brief mentions, he is written about extensively in other ancient mythological writings. A prime example of this is the Epic of Gilgamesh, an ancient Sumerian slash Babylonian mythological writing. One of the first places this was found was the palace library of Nineveh, one of the places that Nimrod ruled, written on 12 clay tablets. It's thought this epic is primarily about Nimrod. The city of Erech, called uh, Uruk in the Bible, is the legendary city Gilgamesh is from. Nimrod built Erech. It was about 100 miles southeast of Babel, or Babylon. The main thing Gilgamesh, a demigod, or one who was two-thirds god and one-third man, was seeking was immortality. Because remember pre-flood, they had very, very long lives, and then their lives are starting to decline after the flood. And so he's really wanting immortality uh, because really he wants to be God, right? Are you getting that from him? Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems this unsettled Gilgamesh. There is even evidence that Nimrod was later deified into the Babylonian god Marduk, taken from Marad, the root word from which his name came. Remember marauder and murder came from the same? Yeah. It's also thought that he was a Sumerian god, Sargon the Great, as well. But it goes so much deeper than that. So Daniel E. Woodhead, Ph.D., writes this about Nimrod and his associations in his article, Nimrod, the Founder of the Occult in Babylon, saying, according to ancient Egyptian and Babylonian traditions, his mother was Semiramis. Sometimes Semiramis is referred to as the mother of Nimrod and sometimes as his wife, leading to the belief that Nimrod married his mother. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> also, according to these traditions, Semiramis, who rose to greatness because of her son, was presented with a difficulty when her son died. So instead, she pronounced him to be a god so that she herself could become a goddess. One story says that after Nimrod was killed, Semiramis claimed that an evergreen tree sprouted from a tree stump, which she said indicated the entry of new life into the deceased Nimrod. Every year on the anniversary of Nimrod's birth, December 25th, hmm, they would leave gifts at his evergreen tree. Oh, wow. That's just messed up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think we got that from? Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. I know. It's messed up. Okay. Simmer on that one, huh? Uh huh. Yeah, where does that come from? Do you see? She's the moon uh, goddess. Do you see that? The crescent moon on her head? Mm, where else do we see that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what is Allah? Allah is the um, the moon god. What do you see on top of every mosque? I did not know that. Yeah. I always wondered what Allah was. I figured it was a god, but he was eventually he was uh, 
in the beginning, in Mecca, he was the moon god. Oh. Yes. Before they made him like the god um, of Islam. What about the star up there? I was looking at the star. Uh huh. And what? How many sides? No. Uh huh. Yes. And you know what you're gonna see from this little, somewhat like family, is where all of the false religions mainly came from. You can see it. A lot of. Oh yeah. He's got horns. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Is this Cupid? Part about Nimrod and the example of him before this. Mm -hmm. You know how you said, um, I remember one time you said that um, Satan, I don't know if it's indwelled or what, but he was in Hitler and. He he takes the person in each uh, generation. So. Is he in would, would it, it be looks way? that way? Would it be in Nimrod, and that's where it started. It, it looks that way. Yeah. Oh, it keeps going. Okay. Yeah. I understand uh, Nineveh being so evil, he ruled it. Yeah. He's well, the one that built that city. Like, it was like, oh, that's what yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Makes more sense, doesn't yeah. it? Uh huh. It usually does. Like, oh, all right. Pine trees. trees. Those are wild. They they are crazy and can't be tamed. Okay. <laughs> all right. So even though Samarimus claimed to be a virgin. She had another son named Tammuz, who she said was the reincarnation of Nimrod. She became known as the Virgin Mother, Holy Mother, and the Queen of Heaven, and was symbolized by the moon. So began the worship of Samarimus and the child god, and the whole paraphernalia of the Babylonian religious system. Is that when they sacrificing babies? Uh, no, at this point, uh, it, it, Tammuz was, uh, he died, and then she mourned for him for 40 days. That's how we get Lent. That's what we're about to look into. I'm telling you, it's messed up. And it's coming from the wife of Nimrod, okay? <laughs> and all the false religions. But, okay, so what is this supposed to actually be, uh, a statue of Mary and Jesus. Yeah. And so really what all happened is when Constantine, who was emperor, uh, he had this vision and he took the, uh, the Christianity and made it the uh, religion of the Roman Empire. Okay, the Roman Empire fell from within. Well, they continued in their religious system. And so Jesus was not popular because he was Jewish. And they didn't like Jewish people. They didn't want a Jewish Messiah. So in Rome, they started changing Jesus. And so you can look in art, seriously. And what you will see is a Romanized Jesus that looks like a Roman god. 
so the Romans would accept him. And so they loved their festivals and their things that they had. Um, at Christmas, that would have called, been called Saturnalia. And so what they did is because the Romans didn't want to give it up, they brought it into the church. Hmm. And so we celebrate it December 25th, Nimrod's birthday. And, you know, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the truth. But the thing well, is, I know it's not the time anyway because he was born in the fall. Exactly, because he actually would have been born at the Feast of Tabernacles, right. which is around September, October. Right. Right? December 25th was never on the blip. <laughs> you know? So um, I'm a Christmas tree up in September, October. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> People do that anyway. So. Actually, okay, so you have. People who are actually trying to follow that, they'll put their booth up with their fruit hanging all over, oh. you know, at the Feast of Tabernacles, and then they'll have a birthday cake for Jesus. I love that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, we have done that. We've done that before. We didn't do that again. I know. It's great fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, are y'all getting this? And how Samarimus was all these things, or she claimed it. Is that, is that, who is that? (laughs) It's Samarimus. Okay, it is. Actually. Mother, Queen, Mother. Okay, in the Catholic Church, she is known as the Virgin Mother, as the Holy Mother, and as the Queen of Heaven. You know what? I something hit but me. That's, that's in the Catholic Holy Church, mm-hmm. and they're telling her that they call it Mary, but it's actually what they have actually done is they have taken from the old Roman. They're bringing in oh, the old gosh. Roman pagan practices into the church. Oh bless! It just got bad for them anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying that is what's oh. happened. <laughs> Uh, now let's keep going. But are you seeing this? Oh, yeah. What did you, what did you say? I was going to say, oh. uh, the other day, this just hit me that in the Catholic Church, you got to go do your confessions with the preacher or the priest. And then he'll tell you to you go light your candle and do your seven Hail Marys. Hail Marys. And you know what? I went back and I looked up that prayer and I was like, oh my gosh. And I've said so many times, didn't know what I was doing. You know, I've never read it. So what does it say? Well, let me look it back up. I wasn't raised Catholic, so. Praise God on that one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a friend that's a spirit pill. She's experienced that and she's still practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are several people that we know that were spirit-filled in a Catholic church. It doesn't mean that people who are in them can't experience God, right. because they can. Um, They're just not getting fullness. They get lied to. Mm-hmm. They well, it, it, they're not understanding the full picture, especially of the origin. Of why they do some of the things they do. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
and how it all goes back to the Tower of Babel. Wow, such a great tradition. Yes. Yes. And so what ends up happening is God will work within it as much as possible. You know where Paul says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial? It's like that. Yeah. So this, I feel like it was longer, but maybe this is it. But it says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of the womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Like, why are we praying to Mary? I, okay, so I have an acquaintance. <laughs> yeah. I have an acquaintance um, who, um, she was a Catholic, and we eat lunch together, and she used to be a Catholic, and then she was an atheist. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I just explained to me about Catholicism, or, you know, why do they pray to Mary? And it was because she had given birth to mm-hmm. Jesus, and she, I guess they put her on a pedestal yeah. or whatever. And, and I'm like, but isn't that wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, you know. and in that book that I've been reading, The Twelve Extraordinary Women, it talks about how Mary, yes, gave birth to Jesus and, you know, had raised him up for 30 years, you know, slapped his hand when he got too close to the fire or whatever. But then she had to surrender her motherhood and then mm-hmm. worship him as her Lord. Uh-huh. So and that, it was just, I don't know. But at the same time, she knew who he was the right. entire time. Right. And it was, but there was nothing yeah. supernatural about her. No other reason than God used her as a temple, you know? And yeah, she, there was nothing, I don't know. She went along with yeah. God's plan. Yeah, she just was obedient. And, which makes her an extraordinary woman, but not. But it also makes her. We, right. we could relate to her. Right. Because right. she was just like us. Right. Exactly. And that's what she's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And an example mm-hmm. of what's available. She didn't question. She just went. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, just think about her at the foot of the cross when yeah. that's her son, but she knows that was his purpose. And so there's, can you imagine wow. like what was going on in like in her heart and in her wow. mind? But she, she still surrendered that and worshiped him as her Lord, not her son. Yeah. It's wild. Well, isn't it a favorite son? Her favorite child. Okay, you have to think. But at the same time, he was the only one. He knew. She knew he was Messiah. Mm-hmm. You know. Can you imagine how scary it would be to to give birth and raise the Messiah? Remember the one time when he was twelve and they lost him, right? You know. Like, oh, oh, lost Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Raising him. Don't let him. I bet she's a helicopter mom. Maybe after it started. I do. I will just. I. I even like. I can't even begin to put myself in her show. Oh no. Like no. I can't even. And from the very first, when she was told that this was going to be. Yeah. Oh, she kept that secret. Well, and mm-hmm. and then endured all of the 
ridicule and humiliation. Yes. I could see why they would, you know, raise her up. But don't you know, I don't you think the Lord just downloaded into her spirit all the way, guiding her and directing her and protecting her and and reassuring her. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Yes. All right, let's go on with this. So from various ancient sources, it seems that Nimrod's wife slash mother, Samarimus, was high priestess of the Babel religion and the founder of all mystery religions as well as goddess. After the tower was destroyed and the multiplicity of languages developed, she was worshipped as a goddess under many different names. She became Ishtar of Syria, Astarte of Phoenicia, Isis of Egypt, uh, Aphrodite of Greece, and Venus of Rome. Oh my gosh. Uh Uh-huh. Do you see? It's like the mother of it all. Yes. And each case, the deity of sexual love and fertility. Her son, Tammuz, also came to be deified under various names and was the consort of Ishtar and god of the underworld. Her and him had a son. Well, Nimrod, uh, Nimrod, Nimrod and Samarimus. Uh-huh. Now, did it have a son? Anyway. <laughs> so he died. Okay, the, the, your, this is the story. Yeah. No, it's a story. So it's, yes. But it's a mythology that has been very prominent throughout history. Okay. Is there son to moose? Uh huh. And oh, and get this: How many of you have ever heard of hot cross buns? Oh Oh, dear Lord. Okay. Do you know how they got that? Oh dear Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember hot cross buns. cross bun so this is the Babylonian that's Tammuz it's Tammuz it's why they started that it's just something that they uh, were celebrating they made them. a cross in the bun yeah and the, and it's the, 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 the tea for Tammuz the tea was for Tammuz and then at the same time <laughs> yes Let's just make it a smiley face <laughs> It's beautiful. (laughs) And then it's appropriately named Sin. Yeah! But that was a god in Babylon. And look, do you see the crescent moon right there all over again? Wow. Yeah. Okay. And do you see the Isis? And yeah, look. Here's the moon. And then here's the full moon and the uh, crescent moon. Look, you've got her again, mother and child. That's you know, freaky little child. Yeah, mother and child. Do you see it though? No, we're gonna go. Oh, it's on thumbnail. Yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, it just keeps going. 
All right. According to the cult of Ishtar, Tammuz. Oh, and another thing. I, I know. It's so another thing. You know, Yule logs. Say what? Oh, Yule logs. Oh, That's also according to the whole thing with Tammuz and the whole Saturnalia and the December 25th. I mean, it's a lot to it. So according to the cult of Ishtar, Tammuz was conceived by a sunbeam, a counterfeit version of Jesus' virgin birth. Tammuz corresponded to Baal in Phoenicia, Osiris in Egypt, Eros in Greece, and Cupid in Rome. In every case, the worship of those gods and goddesses were associated with sexual immorality. The celebration of Lent, which has no basis in scripture, but rather developed from the pagan celebration of Samaritan's mourning for 40 days over the death of Tammuz. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just doing meat. No. Also Catholic. <laughs> yeah, it's also Catholic. I always thought it was to represent the 40 days you suffered in the no. desert, was tempted no. in the desert, so that's why you've given up your <laughs> temptation. That's what I always And Tammuz is actually mentioned, we're going to see him again in just a minute, in Ezekiel 8.14. Before, uh, so it's the celebration of Severus' mourning for 40 days over the death of Tammuz before his alleged resurrection. This is another of Satan's mythical counterfeits. Whether these traditions have any basis in fact or not is irrelevant. This is because they embody the occult and were followed in ancient Israel and are still today. You see them all over the place. Do you see, though? I mean, it's like, wow. So basically, they're just trying to make Jesus's story theirs. Well, they they're taking they're making it the counterfeit. That's really what it is. It's all about being a counterfeit. Yep. And so if the enemy can make him uh, make Jesus uh, make a counterfeit of him, then people will be deceived and not uh, come to him. Like oh, it's another religion. Yeah. I don't really associate Jesus with that. Because I don't really celebrate on that day because of the Mexico thing or whatever that ever happened and they named it after. That's probably not real. Probably something to do with this guy. (laughs) Well, no, no, there was a massacre. Yeah. That's real. Yes, I know. And I'm like, why are we celebrating Valentine's Day when there was a massacre? And I I was like, it's about love, about money. (laughs) Okay, so Ezekiel uh, 8, 12 through 15, this guy wrote it in this translation, but I'm going to go with one that we can actually understand better. Does that sound good? Yeah. So it says, then he said to me, do you see, son of man, what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? each man in the rooms of his carved images. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has abandoned the land. And he said to me, yet you still, I see still greater abominations which they are committing. Then he brought me to the entrance of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, women were sitting there weeping for who? 
to the moose. Yes. And he said to me, Do you see this, son of man? Yet you will see still greater abominations than these. So Ezekiel is communing with the Lord in a vision, and the Lord shows him these things. The Babylonians took Ezekiel to Babylon in the second invasion of Nebuchadnezzar in 597 B.C. Subsequent to that, there was an additional invasion in 586 B.C. Sometime after the second invasion and before the third invasion, the Lord showed Ezekiel the extent of the apostasy the Jews back in Jerusalem had fallen into. So the apostasy they're talking about is the worship of Tammuz, and that would have been connection with uh, Samarimus. Right? Which verse did it have Tammuz in? I'm not sure my Bible. It's, it's Ezekiel 8, 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine does. This is the main one. Okay, I found it. Thank you. Okay. So when? How many? How many years is this after? Uh, oh, after the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Um, the Tower. Let's see. When did the Tower of Babel occur? Because we're talking, Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah. Noah lived 350 years. Um, what was Noah? 350 years after the oh, flood. After. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, he was 600 when he uh, got on the ark, 601 when he got off. Lived for 350 more years. Yeah. So here's answers in Genesis. They're talking in what time period was the Tower of Babel built. So they're saying it occurred around 4,200 years ago. Uh, 4,200 years ago. About 100 years after the flood, but before Abraham was born. Hmm. Years after the flood? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. That would be when the Tower of Babel was built. Yeah. So if Noah wrote all this genealogy, he was alive for all these people being born? He was. Noah? Yeah. Uh, not, not maybe all of them, but a good many. In fact, okay, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, um, it is a great possibility that Gilgamesh is Nimrod, and it talks about him going to someone uh, who was before the flood because it does have the flood story in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Uh, it is a very early, early writing. Um, it, it's so early, it was written on clay tablets. Didn't we talk about that last time? Uh huh, we did talk about it last time. Uh, we, well, not last time, we talked about it when we talked about the flood. Um, but it's about um, he's looking for a way to uh, have immortality, and he goes to this uh, like uh, very uh, a wise man um, that was from before the flood, you know. And so who would he be talking about? He'd be talking about Noah, and Noah was his great grandfather. 
you know, so I'm sure he met Noah, you know. Uh, yeah. It's actually very interesting when you get to it. It doesn't mean, you know, oh, take the Epic of Gilgamesh is, is anything. It's just the fact that it's giving you more of the story of what was believed and what he was thinking. What are you hung up so, on? So, were Samaris and Nimrod real people? No, Nimrod was Nimrod a real person. And he probably did have a wife, you know, slash mother. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe it was a stepmother. We have no idea. Right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, was she probably a real, a real person? She probably was. Probably. Yeah. Now, uh, there are some mm. versions uh, that has a different name for her, but it's very, very close to Samiramis. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like semi arot you know. Uh, but, yeah. Mm. Uh, the kids are calling. Okay. <laughs> okay, so after the decline... Of Babylon, their priest fled to Egypt and transported their religion with them. There the people worshipped Isis and her son Osiris, otherwise known as Horus. Uh, the same mother and child deities appeared in Greece as Ceres, the great mother with the babe at her breast, or is Irene, uh, the goddess of peace, with the boy Plutus, uh, Plutus in her arms, and in pagan Rome as Fortuna and Jupiter. Other cultures embrace the concept, such as Cyprian and Indian. And you could tell this is very Indian. See the circle on her forehead? You know, but it's the same mother-child um, religion. It just went across the world. And so at the Tower of Babel, when their uh, languages were divided, they just kind of took it with them. You see? So... With all these mother-child things, like, you know, the um, willow tree? Like, I just had this in my brain, the willow tree uh, figurines. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, like, like, yeah. And now, I don't know that they have one like that, per se, but um, <laughs> if it was one with a mother and child, should you get rid of it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what that is a <laughs> I think, well, I think it's not really with the mother and child at the breast, but you know, like, I'm just yeah. Kidding. No, I don't think that. <laughs> I know it's like everything you thought you knew is out there. Wood and mortar, not even mortar, tar, whatever. Come on. You just need Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. Did you put tar around this house, baby? <laughs> <laughs> form, false religion began with the Tower of Babel and Nimrod, from which Babylon derives its name. Cain was the first false worshiper, and many individuals after him followed his example. But organized pagan religion began with the descendants of Ham, one of Noah's three sons, who decided to erect a great monument that would reach into heaven and make themselves a great name. 
Under the leadership of the proud and apostate Nimrod, they planned to storm heaven and unify their power and prestige in a great worldwide system of worship that was man's first counterfeit religion from which every other false religion in one way or another has sprung. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the moon god of Mecca is Baal. Baal is Tammuz's son of Samiramis, whom Samiramis claims to be Nimrod, reincarnated. Tammuz is a false Christ. Oh, what? That's Baal? Wow. Yeah. Huh. And then you have Osiris of Egypt, uh -huh, which is Tammuz. Tammuz. You see how it's all connected? Oh, oh, oh. What did you say about Egypt? <laughs> uh, it went into Egypt, so Osiris is also um, Tammuz. Wow. Wait. <laughs> Samaria is the girl, right? Samaria is the mom. mom. She's playing the Nimrod reincarnated. Okay. When? Tammuz is supposed to be. Uh, Tammuz is supposed to be Nimrod reincarnated. Oh, 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 So she had him after he already died? Yeah. But she said that she was a virgin queen and that he came through a sunbeam. Oh. So she was the virgin she mother. She came sun down on her. And uh -huh. she got pregnant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Don't bring some bread. big bread for me. <laughs> 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 I'm going to eat one big bread. Yeast anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Ball is what they yeah. call him today. <laughs> Baal. Baal. Um, Baal is used. It, it's the the chief god that is against the Israelites through most of the Old Testament. Okay. I knew I'd heard of him before. Oh yeah. What's she ask? Baal. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the chief god that is against uh, the Israelites throughout the, excuse me, throughout the whole Old Testament. But that's also Satan, right? Well, it, it's a false god. Okay. No, that's a uh, Baal. Right. Uh, Apis. And that was from Egypt. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole other song. Yeah, that is a whole other. Okay. All right. So God's judgment frustrated their primary purpose of making a great demonstration of humanistic unity by confusing their language that they may not understand one another's speech and scattering them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth. Genesis 11, 7 through 8. The Lord halted the building of the tower and fractured their solidarity. But those people took with them the seeds of that false idolatrous religion, seeds that they and their descendants have been planting throughout the world ever since. The ideas and forms were altered, adapted, and sometimes made more sophisticated, but the basic system remained and remains unchanged. This is why Babel or Babylon is called the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth in Revelation 17, 5. She was the progenitor of all false religions. Wow. 
You know, they have that commercial about Marvel in different languages. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just going to ask about that because there's an app. It means confusion. Yeah. And it's not a good thing. And I, I was just saying something like that. I knew Babel. Yeah. I knew Babel and Babylon. I knew it was all good. And Phoebe asked for it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, I want to learn the language, but I'm like, I don't know. I know. I know. What would you do? I don't know what the what the program is like. You know, it just it has unfortunately, unfortunately has a bad name. <laughs> well, that's what we like. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So here's the summary. I think it's quite interesting how the ancient world praised Nimrod, but the bear of the Bible barely mentions him or his accomplishments uh, that he took so much pride in. That tells us how little God thought of him and his rule. Nimrod, in his own strength and arrogance, was successful at being the first of the world's tyrants, but he had absolutely no significance to God or to his plan. Couldn't afford it. So we focus primarily on Ham's descendants today. We briefly mentioned Shem's. But we'll look. We'll focus more on them next time when we look into God's call on Abram and his origins from the land of the Ur of the Chaldees. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know this one was kind of a downer. <laughs> yeah. But it's truth. I mean, that's just it. It has to so, be. At the beginning of this chapter 11, mm-hmm. verse 4. When they're talking about let's build a city of a lofty tower, and it says instead of being scattered all over the earth, yeah, because they, they knew, yeah, they they knew they were supposed to scatter over all the earth, oh. and they were instead deciding, oh, let's stay together and conquer. Uh, okay. rebellion here. Yeah, which is what Nimrod's name meant. Yeah. Nimrod. Do you want? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely it's different when I read his name now. And that being in the detail, it's like, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it had some legitimate sense. Oh, yeah. At least. A, well, if nothing else, it was because of the culture. Yeah, people yeah. believed it. Yeah. Well, then that makes me think, like, it's got T-A-M-M, and I'm like, I don't Cousin is named Tammy. Oh, I You have met her. They crop pot needs Thank you for listening to the Las Casas Community Church podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Las Casas Community Church. Be sure to like, share, follow, and leave a review for our podcast. And as always, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to answer those for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.